Yes. Yeah. And choking on your saliva. Yes. Are we ready to? Are we we ready are to ready. Okay. All right. Here and, we go. And we're back. We're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat. And I'm Mike. And it's welcome <laughs> to a new week, another episode. Here we go. Um, you know what? We're close to, uh, it's, it's a holiday episode of sorts, isn't it? It is, and um, <laughs> um, we've got we've got all Sorry. of the sound yeah. set up, so um, we're ready to entertain you. We're ready to have another week. Um, <laughs> Is that what we do, entertain people? I don't know. I'm, I'm starting <laughs> to feel like, you know, it, it's like having a podcast, it's not easy. I mean... It was easy. <laughs> it's not that hard. I mean, it's not super hard, but like the first five episodes, I feel like I was like on fire. I had all this stuff I wanted to say mm-hmm. and <clears throat> and I was very excited. I still am excited, but you know, 10 episodes in and it's like every week and we love it. It's just... Um, Eventually you run out of content and you have to put your mother-in-law on as a guest. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I mean... No, she was great. It, yeah. it was. We had a great interview with uh, Mike's mother-in-law. Hopefully everybody heard that. And having a real, you know, um, I was going to say sober. She is sober, but like just that, you know, someone who's been in the business a long time is caring... Um, and uh, she really fit the bell. And uh, like I was telling you afterwards, she reminds me of my last outpatient uh, therapist mm-hmm. um, in that, you know, she's one of those people that was not a recovering addict. And you can like someone like me, I can tell the difference when I'm being treated by someone, um, you know, where they're where they're coming from because of the language they use and that sort of thing. Right. Well, we didn't get into it, but, mm-hmm. you know, her. Her experience with addiction is sort of like more secondhand because, uh, you know, her her ex-husband, who is my wife's dad, um, like I've mentioned before, he's been in AA for like 30 some odd years. And she went through the, the shit with him, you know, like, you know, he, he had having DTs and, you know, on being yeah. taken to the hospital uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, she's got a more of an maybe an Al-Anon perspective. Yeah. I don't know if she was ever in Al-Anon. It's. Yeah. I don't know. It didn't come up. And I, I frankly, I don't know if I really wanted to get into her personal uh, stuff. She's of a generation where she might find that a little more intrusive than right. we do today. But um, yeah, it she definitely it, has all the lingo. She you know? d- well, she's a pro. Um, yeah. And especially at her level where she was kind of at the crossroads or at the hinge where <clears throat> where uh, people are struggling with money, legal issues, and addiction. Yeah. And... Um, uh, and I think you know having that perspective that's really ground zero for this uh, for the for addiction and uh, and fighting addiction is is exactly where she was and um, and I was there um, luckily I didn't run into like severe money problems but <clears throat> um, just with legal <laughs> and addiction sorry and addiction I mean having caring sober people when I say sober again just someone who's clear I'm using it in the alternate definition with the serious minded serious minded yes um and she really fit the bill and it was just great to speak to someone again like that uh visit us on facebook twitter and um all of the places that you can find us middle ages recovery uh com is our website and we've got a new feature on there um where you can uh tell us your story 
fill it out, type something, anything. And um, you know, with your permission, of course, we will read it. Uh, we yep. just just got our first one. Um, million stories in the naked city. Yes. Um, and I think we can read it. So do you want, should I, or we'll read it after we get permission from him. But the point is, um, we're here, we're listening. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. It, it's not, I don't see a name on it. Right. So, so why not? Why not? And worst case, we can always exit out. My, right. my engineer will, uh, edit it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the, um, we can strip out the identifying city even. Okay. If we wanted to do so that. Why don't you, do you want to read it? Do you want me to read it? Yes, I'd love you to. Hi, Mike and Nat. Greetings from new listener. Just found your podcast for my morning treadmill work. I find uh, your podcast very interesting, and I'm going to listen to all of them before emailing my comments. Uh, middle-aged dad here got clean in 2004 in Northern California and owe a big debt to NA I will never be able to repay. So while I am a 12-stepper, I've been around addiction and recovery long enough to know that there's more than one way to get clean or sober and improve or get your life back, which you guys do a fine job in discussing and pointing out routinely. Well done. While I probably agree with about 50% of your content, excuse <laughs> More than actually we agree with yeah, most I was of the about time. To say. <laughs> I, I do appreciate the your perspectives on addiction, not so much on the recovery part. Or not yet anyway. I'm less than ten podcasts in. Uh Spoiler, it doesn't change that much. <laughs> the next three over and the We're next three. evolving, but very slowly. Yes. Uh but I am certain you're helping people with their demons if they find your podcast and listen. Uh you're doing great work and I applaud you both. Keep it up. I can honestly say I look forward to listening to your podcast each morning. Well, you're going to run out of content fast, my friend. Uh, you're both entertaining, <laughs> engaging, and thought-provoking. Thank you for all that you do. Yay. Yay, um, us. That's that, great. That is so cool. And Thank, thank you, you for so, writing that. Yeah. And that was actually, I just got a message from him. That is Jeff. <clears throat> and he is a <laughs> Are we allowed listener. to say that? He, he said, okay. you may read anything I send you. No worries. Thank you for asking. Okay. Um, thank you so much. That is awesome. It's exactly what we're looking to hear. This is really a place for discussion. And um, sorry, I'm wheezing a little bit. Jesus, I was just choking on some water somehow. But um, mm. so if I'm sure. wheezing a little bit, um, I apologize. So, you know, we love that. And the thing, you know, that makes my day the most is I listen to it every morning. Um, right. We only have... 13 shows out, but um, that's awesome. That really makes me happy. And <clears throat> like I said, the disagreeing with us is the point, right? For, yeah. For us. If we all agreed, it would be boring. It's boring and it would, you know, it would really not, you know, show that we're here to discover, we're here to learn, and we're just being open about our experiences. And, um, you yeah. know, I don't think of myself as like an authority. No. I'm only an authority on what happened to me, really. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's sort of the point. Um, what else? So uh, tell us your story. We've got some great shirts uh, and merchandise. We're working on a Whoa, design. That's a that's a big announcement. I Should you want to delete that? No. Uh, let, yeah. Okay. Break, let's, let's sell things. <laughs> breaking news. Monetize this we, bitch. Yes, <laughs> I can't even spell remunerate. Um, so, yeah. So that's going to be cool. We just want to do some cool stuff. We're trying to set up a shop. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And mm -hmm. some, a lot of exciting things are happening. Again, welcome to any Dopey Podcast listeners who heard our our ad on there. Um, welcome. I'm a big fan. So is Mike. And we look forward to 
meeting you guys, uh, talking to you and all that. Yeah, at our first convention. <laughs> at our first <laughs> convention. But um, definitely, and last thing, bit of housekeeping. Uh, we've got a private group uh, on Recovery in the Middle Ages Facebook. If it's a place where you can talk to other like-minded uh, addicts in recovery or not recovered, right. trying to figure out how. So check our Facebook page for details on that. Find and the group. Ask to be invited, and we will approve you. It's, it's Except for some of you. Yeah, <laughs> I got some weird requests. Don't want weed pictures, you know, and, and stuff like that. So it's really a serious place for discussion, and it's private. So right. nothing can be searched and... Um, and there you have it. Um, something interesting came up uh, for it Mike did. this week. Something interesting. What was it? So I'm 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 doom scrolling through Facebook in the aftermath of the election, as is my want. Doom and, uh, yeah, and I've it came across all of a sudden. Uh, my past reached out and grabbed me by the nuts and gave him a firm twist. Um, well, you think that merits? Okay. <laughs> or maybe a, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so. I don't know. I got friends from back in the 80s, and apparently these friends had cameras back then, and God, mm-hmm. God knows, you know. It wasn't like today, you know, where everybody's got a camera in their pocket. Back then, you had to actually, you know, find a camera, pay for film, which is also quite remarkable considering the amount of money that none of us had because we spent it all on drugs. <laughs> um, but apparently, somebody took a picture of myself and two of my friends. Um, Are we posting that? Can we please? I. No one's going to recognize you. I was thinking... It doesn't look like you. It doesn't look like me. But your old friends will recognize it. Well, I'm going to... We got to make one of those those bars I can put over the face or the eyes. I can do that. Okay. All right. So I'm going to put it up um, on Hmm. somewhere and uh, on our page or whatever. But anyway, it's really... You know, I I have changed a lot since 1986. Well, that's good. Or 87. (laughs) That's positive. Uh, or maybe it was 88. Anyway, um, so I look at that person in that picture that is ostensibly me. Right. And who is that? Yeah, who wow. is that? I weighed like 65 pounds more in the picture. And I was clearly either on drugs or um, just about to do drugs. <laughs> um, and I was with two friends and we were holding guitars because we used to play together in a, it was, that a was band coll- of sorts. And you then, were in college? Well, I had picture? failed out of college had, by then. Was I was just out. living yeah. in the Bronx <clears throat> with people that... Well, actually, those other, the guy on the far left made it through through college. Right, well, now we have to post this. The guy in the middle, yeah, I'll put it up. The guy in the middle uh, did not. Um, eventually, he did, but it was like me. It was like a thirteen year plan kind of a right. Deal. right. Um, you know, but but it it brings up a lot of like feelings. Like one, I have no control over the situ- over what people. Ha- think of me or have of me from that era and decide that they want to share with a shitload of, of, with basically everybody on the internet who I knew back then who now, you know, looks at that picture and thinks, but he didn't remembers tag me that your way. name in it. Didn't did tag he? my name, but I, of course, went and commented which was, on it, which was stupid well, because was now everybody that. that I know who I'm friends with can go and see You're what like, I look like. Look at me in that pic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me, it's Mike. Uh, you know, and I was not in a good good place back then, you know, at all. Well, uh, how old did that make you? 22? Yeah, some something like that. Well, let's see. Wow. 85, 17, 18, 20, 21. Wow. Somewhere around there. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm dubious. Uh, actually, I don't know if I'm using that word right. I, I am suspicious, I should say, of people who who got clean like when they were 18 mm-hmm. and had. You know, I've met people. I mean, that's great, but like, 
I don't know. I think anybody else out there who got clean later in life, <clears throat> when you meet these kids uh, at meetings and stuff like that, I, I mean, what do you think? Like, you, you didn't go to a ton of meetings, but right. like once in a while, there'd be a, like a kid speaker or something. When I say kid, I'm talking 20s. Mm-hmm. And um, and they would, d- you know, give their qualification. Like, I was 17 when I came into the rooms and like, and I'm like, so you've basically been in recovery for like your formative, you know, young adult, you know, life in some ways. And, um, it's definitely a different perspective from mine and it's not any less valid, but I definitely do a double take. Like really? Like, you know, well, I I mean, I applaud people who get it that young. Yeah, absolutely. uh, You know, who, you know, and whether or not they've lived, uh, the same experience as you or I did over the years, um, I don't know how much that... I mean, I think like anything else, if you're older, you, with the benefit of, of age comes a certain degree of wisdom and self-knowledge. You just see right? more shit. Yeah. You know? And so if you're 17 and maybe from 14 to 17, you you really hit it hard. Yeah. You know, I know a couple people <clears> out <throat> there and there's some podcasts that I listen to where people who got sober and when they were 20 and now run addiction podcasts and treat people yeah. uh, as therapists. So yeah, and and I'm not against that, and I think yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, really happy. Except that we don't, you don't want young people to get sober before they hit the bottom. Well, <laughs> right. Well, the bottom, and then that's a whole other concept that <clears throat> is worth debating. The bottom, the and, bottom, and what is this um, deification of a bottom that is so you know necessary to get clean? That it's practically encouraged. I used to have a therapist. <laughs> I should one day write out like all of the therapists, clinicians, and doctors I've had to see. <clears throat> Be a long list. And uh, it looks something like in court when they do the mafia, like family tree, like this is the boss. That would be me. And mm-hmm. here's the last like 20 people I had to d- do therapy with. And um, I was just thinking like, you know, there there's a concept uh, of recovery that is universal. And anytime I would have a person like that talking, uh, I would immediately try to disabuse myself of the notion that uh, they don't know anything. And that took me a long time, you mm-hmm. know, to really just start to try and listen to the message, the things I relate to. And that's what they tell you. Like, you, your sponsor doesn't have to be someone exactly like you or anything like you. They just have to, you know, have a solid foundation in recovery and the general concepts because they are universal. Yes. <clears throat> true. Um, but they can't come, they can't, he can't understand. He wouldn't be able to understand what it's like if it was just a 25 year old who got sober at 15. How is he going to understand, you know, a story about a father who, despite having children and a wife in a house, he still goes on to destroy himself. Right. Um, it's just a little harder, I think, to make the connection, but I've, it's there, you know, if you look universally and don't get hung up in the minutia. Yeah, there's a certain universality to it, but, you know, we've discussed in the past how the one size fits all nature of, of, uh, of 12 step can be a hindrance to some people recovering. Um, especially if you assume as true the concept that there is, everybody has to hit their own personal bottom. I mean, uh, personally, I think you can, you you can stop well before (laughs) there's nothing, there's no requirement that you your life has to become completely unmanageable. It can just be a little unmanageable. Yeah, right? I, I, I agree. Uh, I think, you know, like you said, this goes back to the, the uh, spectrum, the addiction spectrum theory. 
And the more I've been thinking about addiction and my journey, um, the more I'm starting to think that this is, it really is more of a mental, uh, psychological health disorder and less a physical um, sickness. Um, And and that is a a concept that is highly, you know, debated and, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, what what do you think? What are your current thoughts uh, on addiction as far as, do you have a genetic, maybe a genetic disposition, but do you think that it's like diabetes and that like your body does it to you and you can't help yourself. Well, what's the expression? Uh, genetics loads the gun and behavior pulls the trigger. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't see why it couldn't be a little bit of both. It, uh, yeah. You know, I think it probably is. I think the more that we learn it, it's, it really is different for everybody, but I don't think this is just my current thoughts on it. That there is a disease that is a physical disease, a chromosome or something in your DNA. Like the more I analyze it, read stories about it, talk to people, go through it myself, think back and reflect on my journey. The more I think, you know, it was for me anyway, it was really psychological. Um, Of course, doing the drugs uh, got me into a state of physical, you know, requirement for Mm -hmm. it. And that's like alcohol to physical changes it made to me, you know, uh, caused certain, you know, illnesses. Um, But like if you go to an an inpatient for 28 days, you get detoxed uh, and you come out with no drugs in your body, let's Mm -hmm. say. So theoretically you should be clean of it, right? You should be clean of the disease. And well, then you have behavioralism well, stuff. You know, you have to learn how to rewire the, your brain and the right. way you think. And there there are definite uh, structural changes in the brain that occur as a result of, of you know, alcohol sure. use. Uh, and that's an area they've been studying quite a bit lately. And, and you know, your brain is plastic, though. You can, <laughs> you can rewire to yeah. a certain extent. Uh, yeah. But there are some changes that are permanent, which is why some, so many people who are sober um, for mm. a period of time and they go out and they have a drink and within a week they're pounding a, a you know, a fifth a night. Yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> probably, you So know. is that because they didn't resolve their psychological problems? I mean, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. know. You know, I don't know. Who knows? Does anybody know? All we really know is what happened to us. That, well, that's true. I think. But, uh, but we do have a show. We do <laughs> so have we a have show. <laughs> and in analyzing these things and looking at what happened to the millions of other people who were willing to talk about it, it sort of leads us down that path and trying to understand what this thing is, what it's doing to us, and how to get out of it. <clears throat> so, just thoughts. Um, it's all th- they are is thoughts, right? I know, we're getting into this deep early. I mean, thoughts, um, thoughts are... Um, Thoughts produce behavior. Right. right. Thoughts become things. Thoughts become things. So right. you got to change your way of thinking. Change it. Yeah. Change your stinking thinking. I mean, and that's the thing that worked for me the most over the years. I used to have this horrible habit um, where I would be constantly in my mind, like making fun of everybody I saw. Oh, yes. I would like just that like teenager, two teenage mm-hmm. kids, just like dissing people in the mall. I um, have that same voice in my head. I, I still have it. And I have, but I have to be very careful with that. Yeah. Because I, I realize that being an internal asshole is yeah. just as destructive to me as being an external asshole to people. And, and that's so true. It was so true for me too. Like, I started to, it started to creep out into my daily conversations and the way I thought about other people, the things I said to them, the way I behaved. 
when I and I I don't know I don't remember the moment where I really realized it, but <clears throat> I was like, "That's not me. Mm. I I don't I don't really think those things about those people, mm. um, or I don't mean them. So why am I having these horrible thoughts?" And so what I did was, um, I the second I started thinking something like that, I would immediately pray. I would make a deliberate, like, put my hands together and say, God, please take this from me. Hmm. Um, and I did it, and I started to do that as, like, a gut reaction. Like, as soon as I started to think something I knew was off, you know, God, please take this from me. And um, after a while, um, I just didn't have those thoughts anymore. Hmm. And I didn't have to, like, you know, and I started to notice, oh, I'm doing that little prayer less. And, um, I mean, that was just a little thing in my life, but it made a huge difference on my outlook. There's your brain rewiring itself. That's it. By repetition. CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, not to be confused with CBD or, um, yes. We're going to have a line of CBD out in our store for you guys. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, uh, but you know, it's interesting because my, my meditation practice, right. Uh, I think I discussed this a couple of weeks ago was, um, constantly asking the question, who am I? Right. Mm. And, and that has been very helpful in putting a, a gap between the thought and the action, or even between the, the thought and the second thought, you know, mm. if I, if I start finding myself, um, you know, looking at everybody in the street and going, Oh, look at that piece of, sh you know, whatever, whatever the thought is, you know, yeah. being just aware that that process is going on in your head is the first step towards un untangling it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I that, think and that's the whole th point of goes, some meditation, like a lot of meditation is yeah. you're really trying to just change the way that you view your reality. A absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. So it I recommend work. it. Yeah. And, uh, meditation, prayer, whatever the, whatever works for you. Yeah. And, uh, I did the similar technique to wanting to drink, um, you know, it, when I, I would get those after I was sober for a few months, sometimes I would get that little voice in my head. Mm -hmm. And, but what I had to do is train myself to, as soon as that happens, I instantly shut it down, you know, either with a prayer or yelling at myself, shut up, don't say that, you know, um, so long as you don't do it out loud. See the thing, the thing that I, yeah, I'll I did something similar, but really what I did was I changed the voice in my head. And instead of it telling me I wanted to drink it, now my voice tells me what an asshole everybody else is for drinking. For drinking. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if is that is that good or is that bad or or oh god, they just don't know. They look at that self destructive behavior and all yeah. that. So the I don't know if judge. I I don't know if I need to um, stop being so judgmental towards people who are. Um, Continuing to, to drink, yeah. you know, uh, um, I think that's, that's tough. Man. It is, it is tough, but you know what? It's, it keeps me in line mm. to start thinking that I'm better than other people, but that's fucking bad. That's bad news, man. I can't be thinking that way. No. And, and just understanding that and maybe it's human nature and maybe part of us. I mean, I don't, just, I don't really think I'm better than, right. you know what I mean, I yeah. just, I, I, so like, I feel why like, am I saying, I that? feel like I have untangled a secret about alcohol that puts me in a position where I feel uh, that I know something that other people don't know and it yeah. makes me feel superior, right? Because I've always been had a bit of an ego, right? I mean, that's... Doesn't somebody an say addiction's a disease of the ego? An egomaniac you know? with a... Inferiority complex. Yes, that's yeah, you. That's me. Thank you um, for sharing that with me. So, sorry, my wife has called me and I think she's just calling... 
Uh, I just want to make sure. Is this about the switch that Ben might have left oh, at your house? Yeah, well, I, did he leave? That is the switch? Uh, we don't know. Okay, I'll well. T- I'll tell you why we don't know. Because we have three of them. His brother has one. You have three Nintendo Switches. It's a long story. Those he, are children who do not share. He lost his Switch three months ago. Couldn't find it. Tore the house apart. We figured I left the car unlocked, parked it. Somebody took it out of the car. Right. Underneath his bed, which I converted from a bunk bed to a regular bed, there's like a little shelf um, between like a, a little area you can put drawers, you can put clothes on. Somehow that thing got under there and just rested there for like oh, three months. So he, I made him rake leaves for like, I don't know, a hundred hours. <laughs> and then I, I got him another switch. I was like, okay, here. You did it. Then I'm moving the furniture and I find the other one. Oh, okay. Sweet. So, so now can we he, have it? He's got two. Um, except the Joy-Con, which is the controller thing, yeah. snapped off because he'd been sleeping on it oh. basically. So, uh, <laughs> so now, now that he has two, he's even less uh, like... Uh, Concerned about where it ends right. up because well, he's day. got a backup. So, so when Christine, when your wife uh, texted Aaron last night and said, "Is Ben missing a switch?" He doesn't know. He doesn't know. <laughs> he well, doesn't know. we, you know, we should say that our, our kids did have a sleepover. They did, um, which is cool. Like watching our kids hang out, you know, because we're hanging out. We're like, well, our kids should be friends too if we're right. friends. And um, I, I, a lot of parents, I think, are like that. Like, oh man, if the parents of my kids' friends were just cool, right? Um, and again, Aaron, your wife, uh, your wife, so cool. Your wife, very cool. My wife, yeah, she's, she's cool too. Yeah, we love her. Right, we do. Um, but they had a great time. Um, my son's got some attachment issues. As a ten-year-old, he still requires me to lie down with him so he falls asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, my youngest son, six-year-old, is fine. Like, I put him in, uh, good night, close the door after I read him stories, and that's it. But my older guy has trouble. So, um, and there's a number of reasons why I've been trying to figure out why that's the case, but we could talk about that. Later, I have issues because when he was younger, I was, you know, I was an active addict, and I think I, I always just would stay in his room when he was little, partially to probably avoid fighting with my wife and going to bed. Right. And then also having that guilt of, you know, if I was, you know, not around or something or went out for a, a night, you know, I felt like bad about it. So if he the least bit would be upset that I was leaving when he was little, I always stayed in the room. Mm-hmm. And so he got used to that. And for his um, younger brother, um, I've been sober for a lot of his formative years and he seems to have naturally, you know, been more independent, but it's hard to say if well, the second kid is usually a little more independent, by the yeah. time you get to the third one, they're doing everything themselves and making their own breakfast and, and stuff. Yeah. But do you find that you overcompensate like um, for the maybe some lackadaisical parenting when you were out uh, doing naughty things like hundred yeah hundred percent I, I do the same and, and I wasn't even really that off the wall you know yeah I, like I don't have that thing where I was abusive to my kids because I just wasn't I'm right. not an abusive person yeah, exactly if anything I was you know getting screamed at by my you know a my wife who you know rightly was like so. justifiably <laughs> you know screaming at me and um you know uh but certainly like i had to go to to rehab a couple of times you know when he was little so i would go away for 28 days 
And, you know, that sets up an abandonment complex, you know. Why is daddy going away? And on top of that, I, like, was required to go to lots and lots of, like, meetings, um, you know, with the outpatients. I'd be doing nine hours a week. Uh, On top of that, I would have to go see my probation officer on, like, on top of, like, so many things just kept me pretty much out of the house. And I feel like he's maybe developed some kind of abandonment, abandonment where, you know, if I leave, he well, you know, maybe I won't come back or something like that. Like this, maybe some I'm that overthinking. Some might be a uh, projection on your part. You Probably, know. you know, and, and I really try and honestly look at how I was as a, as a father. And um, from what I understand from my son, from what he says, and in not so many words, you were nicer when you were, you know, using. <laughs> he didn't say that, but I was far less daddy-like, you mm-hmm. know, because a lot of active addiction is straight-up immaturity. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, you contracted, you know, Lyme's disease. You're like, you're just, you know, for me, I should speak for myself, I was just immature. Right. I, on top of being immature, impulsive, on top of that, I had developed uh, bipolar depression from all of the drug abuse I had mm. been doing since high school. And um, I was battling things on all fronts. But, you know, for him, I think a lot of it was just all of a sudden, I w- there, he's got a father, a strong father right. in the house who is, is a partner with, with his mom. It's no longer dad's another kid. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, now I have two parents. Shit. What do I do? (laughs) How did that happen? You know, so mm, I don't know how much of all of that is figuring into some of the issues he's having. Um, Just off the cuff, like he had, he was fine during sleepover. Well, that's awesome to hear. No, you know what I mean. So yeah. I know that was a long. He just way he of, took off his shirt and settled in yes. on the couch and <laughs> started right. eating candy. And you know, I was you like, know, oh, he right, gets kids get, right. Be careful. He gets comfortable fast, yeah. and will be going into your pantry. He's got no compunction <laughs> about just you know going through your shit to find your candy, which is yeah. totally addict behavior. But and that's another thing. I'm constantly like watching the things he says, does, and like is that addict behavior? Mm. Um. Yeah. And that drives me crazy. You yeah. know, like well, like you, you just you never know, man. I know. You know but that make that's what makes me crazy. I have that, no you could idea. also look at that in a positive way. You know. What then he's like driven and will do anything for the things he wants and like Well, I mean I sense in there like some concern that, you know, he's gonna follow your trajectory. Sure. Like, yeah, right. I mean, and that's you know, obviously a concern of mine as well, because you look for behavior and you look how it equates with behavior that you had and Mm -hmm. what that's likely to translate into. But I mean, there's, you know, like I look at my younger son and the fact that he's not like me in a lot of those ways just makes me happy. (laughs) Thank God for Max. He, he, he's not like me in, in those ways. And I feel like the other one is, but, um, they had a good sleepover. I mean, no, they were fine. He was polite. He says he went to sleep at two o'clock, which is, then I know that Ben went to bed earlier, but Ben crashes out at like 10. But all, all of his friends are like that. Like the couple of times he did sleepovers, um, you know, the the friend is asleep at 10 and Noah is that kid who's like kicking him and like, Oh, we got to stay up all night. Um, but that after that beautiful sleepover, two days later, I find out that Ben writes to Noah, uh, on, Discord, I guess it is yeah. like that. He's a fucking asshole. Or something. Yeah, I was like, what the 
Fuck, Ben. Like, was, how many friends do you have that you're just going to like jettison them one by one, you know? Yeah, it was funny because I was on the phone with Mike as he was sort of discovering it or, or confronting his son about it. <laughs> so I got to hear like, okay, you know, and I'm like, what? Because Noah didn't say anything about it, but that's what kids will do. They'll just like, you know, if they get in a fight, I don't hear about it. I'm like, oh, you haven't talked to Everett in two weeks. What happened? And yeah, he, by that time, he doesn't remember. Um, well, I don't know. It was pretty nasty what Ben said. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I read it to you when I was on the phone with you and I was like, holy crap, I didn't even know he knew what those words meant. Yeah, you know? and he had a reason. Like, Noah had done something probably passive-aggressively that pissed pissed off Ben. Yeah, but still. And then know. Ben just was like, you fucking asshole or some <laughs> shit like that. It was really funny. I I made him apologize over text and Noah has not texted him back, so oh, I, uh, man. I, I don't know. I'm sure I, it's fun. His friends, I, I've like read some of his stuff, and but for the most part, they don't run around throwing uh, F-bombs around because I told him I read everything. And um, uh, they they do that. They rib each other. and they're, you I know. just hope it's, you know, they end up... I, I, I was losing some sleep over this yesterday. Uh, I, don't, I don't really don't like... Uh, I, I'm upset that he used that language. I'm upset yeah. that it upset your kid. And I don't you know, know if he's upset, He's though. not like, you know, that's not the way we teach him to behave. Yeah. And, I'm not know. sure that, that Noah read that as, as like a, an attack. I don't know if you've thought of it more of as like, ah, fuck you, man. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't asked him to be Because I said to Ben, I'm like, you know, Noah's at, at, at the store. Uh, yeah. You know, because they had uh, parent-teacher conferences, so they had a half day. I said, why don't you go play some yeah. play some games with him, you know, virtually? And he's like, I don't know if Noah's talking to me. Ah, <laughs> I'm like, well, all right. why would that be? I'll, I'll say something to him. <laughs> yeah, you don't. What I want to do is... Um, I would love to get back to that gaming place with you oh, guys. Yeah. Do you want to do that? Yeah, let's do it. We're yeah. just making plans on the air here. Yeah. This is great. Um, so it's cool. No, I'm just glad that he's got a cool friend and uh, and a dad that doesn't um, try and make me drink all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's not me. <laughs> yeah. Ten-year-olds, am I right? Yeah. What's the deal? Right. <laughs> um, hey, get, guess what? Thanksgiving is coming. It is. Is that the Thanksgiving song? It is. Oh, uh, it's from... I'm not sure about the rights on that one. Uh, I guess uh, we'll find out. Well, you wanna, here's a better one. Thanksgiving. The old turkey in the straw. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Get around. <laughs> Pull the plug out of the jug and have some of Grandpa's cider. So for the uh, two listeners who are left after that. Um, <laughs> Come on. It took me like a half an hour to load the board yesterday <laughs> with all this crap. Yes, load the board is not a euphemism, folks. Um, <laughs> it could be, yeah. so, whatever you want it to be. So Thanksgiving is coming, and currently we are f- trying to figure it out. Um, <laughs> we are trying to figure out what to do. We've got a um, decent amount of family, um, as far as I've got my brother, his kids, and I've got my kids, of course, and my parents, and my wife's mother, yeah. and um, all of the new, you know, COVID warnings are coming out, and um, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, mostly for my parents. Are you guys still doing stuff? As of right now, we are going to my wife's cousin's place, uh, her husband, and they have kids my, my kid's age, um, and it was going to be my sister-in-law, and then... Um, we were going to have it just at my house with my parents and um, my sister-in-law and um, my wife's mother. But my parents then said, 
we're not going anywhere. We're staying in, right? Right. So we said, okay, we'll go to Allie's or Cousins, right? Mm-hmm. Then I find out that in, not only are they go, not go, are they going out, they're going to my brother's place. Wait, your parents? Yeah. So they, Wait, they who, blew you off and then yes. <laughs> go to your brother's? Yes. Huh. Um, Is there a reason for that? I mean, that's a deep question. Like, what, <laughs> why am I being, you know, not chosen? Well, over I only ask because, you know, my mother-in-law canceled, yep. and my other mother-in-law, who Aaron's dad's <laughs> wife, canceled on us within the same two days. Yeah, for two reasons. One, uh, my wife works in a school like your wife does, mm-hmm. and they don't seem to give a rat's ass about the teachers because they're exposing them to these kids with COVID like yeah. all day long. Absolutely, and that's the reason that I was given why the elders in the family decided they weren't coming over that. And apparently they think that our town is really high on the COVID infection list, which from what I can tell, it's not, but there's a perception. I mean, we're high, but not on the infection list. (laughs) (laughs) The, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of wacky. So I don't know. It may be something as simple as that, or it could be some really crazy psychodrama that your parents just don't want to hang out in your house. I I don't know. Well, funny you should say that. My parents did mention my sister-in-law who's a massage therapist. And I don't know if they're just like latching onto that because they screwed up and my mom didn't talk to my dad and she said something, but she didn't realize they committed to another thing and whatever. I like, I give them the benefit of the doubt. It's one less thing to worry about. That. Right. But, you know, my brother has a college age kid and a high school age kid, and he's a high school teacher. Hmm. Um, oh, well, that's not the answer then. Uh, it's it's not, <laughs> not smart. I don't think it's smart, but look, they're um, grown ups. They can make their own decisions. Right. I, I don't think they have something against me. I think it's just kind of like my mom is a little bit sketchy on her memory and stuff mm-hmm. like that lately so it's entirely possible she doesn't remember even telling me no right you know so i'm like all right i just want them to i don't want them to come away from this dead basically which is yeah well that's just happening you know, happy holidays and all yeah it's you good know. keep the old folks alive is uh you know it's i'm good sure thing to do this thanksgiving the problem with that is when everything's canceled um then you're left with you know yourself yes and alone you know, alone although not in our case because our families are you know we're never alone right <laughs> <laughs> i'm alone this is as alone as i get yeah in, right? in, in my store is as alone as you can get because <laughs> guess what people nobody is shopping so we are all Christmas alone. Is coming. i'm hoping to be a you know apply to be a paralegal at mike's firm I don't have a firm. What is it? Just an insurance company? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you work for an insurance company. Yeah, yeah you're kind of like my dad. He he has all. He, he was never in house, but if I had a firm, I would hire you. Why don't Absolutely. you open? Let's open up a, a legal firm. I'll be the secretary. Uh, I don't want to work. I'll that be hard. the hot secretary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can bring in the um, milfy clients. Let's turn this store into into a law firm for addicts. That's a good pivot. I, I think <laughs> that would go great. From uh, sporting goods to uh, uh, criminal defense. Yes. <laughs> but um, that would be fun. I mean, look, Thanksgiving is going to be hard. Holidays are always hard for, for everybody. If, if you have a lot of friends and family, you're, it's hard because you have to deal with all of that. And mm-hmm. if you don't have a lot of friends and family, you deal with being alone. Uh, so sucks either way. It sucks either way. And it just kind of bring back to the point that people drink when they're happy. People drink 
when they're sad. People drink when they're, you know, when they're feeling down or when they're celebrating. Mm -hmm. And so everybody comes up with a reason to drink and that's just fine with them. And Thanksgiving, for whatever your reasons, is a good a time as any. So what do you do? Like... I mean, what should people do if they're home by themselves or if they're going to, uh, you know, a gathering and it's so intimate that you might even feel like you're insulting them by turning down a drink, mm. you know? Fuck, I don't know. You know <laughs> what are they supposed to do? <laughs> Tell the people. Uh, Jesus. What do I, they do? I, um, what do they do? What do you do? I'll tell you what I do. Okay. What um, do you do? Well, I, part part of the reason I'm able to be successful is that I have laid the groundwork with my friends and family over the past, you know, even though I haven't been sober for five, six years, I started, you know, saying no in public, basically. Um, so I have set myself up where people expect I will not be drinking. Oh, yeah. You know, right. um, most people uh, that, that we see. So um, I'm never offered an alcoholic beverage. And, you know, I have found that at these gatherings, I, I've, I've got a technique where I grab a drink. Um, you know, Dr. Pepper is usually my specialty drink or um, seltzer or, or water or something or coffee. And then I feel like I'm, I'm participating. And then, like I said, on one of the last shows, I go to the kids. Yeah. I hang out with the kids and um, I never try and explain myself too much. If it ever comes up, I, I have quick, you know, retorts that sort of end it like um, my uh, I'm allergic joke. And, you know, if, if I drink, I break out in handcuffs and just or I used to drink too much and I don't drink anymore. And then if, I feel good. If you're seeing family, though, family kind of knows where you're at. Right. And your your Most family seems like they're normal, well-adjusted people. There are. Well, I mean, you mostly, know, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, all families, <laughs> you know, maybe skirt that edge a little yeah. bit. But there are some families who, uh, you know, the whole relationships are dysfunctional and based on drinking. And you yeah, know, you, you show up, and if you're not drinking, it's a real issue. Yeah, um, totally. So I mean, you know, just I'm saying, I'm lucky. not drinking this. You know, I don't drink. What the is, hell is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you my know? brother was like that a little bit when I first started saying no at, at holidays. But that's that's really tough. If you're the yeah. if you, I mean, maybe this year you're not traveling, but if you have to travel. And you're sober and you have to travel and you're, you're back in your hometown uh, and there's all those triggers around and you start reverting back to the, like the person you used to be when you were living with your family. Yeah. I can oh, I see how it can be overwhelming yeah. for you to break out of those patterns. So it sure is. You know, what's the solution to that? I mean, I don't know what the solution to that is. Maybe not going. Yeah. <laughs> it's the solution. Not going is a great option that I think a lot of people don't consider when they first yeah. start getting sober. Like, but what will I do when my dart team has to play in different bars all over, <laughs> right. you know, my, right. my county, yeah. you know, how will I not drink? But like, Hey, I've got a great idea. Maybe don't play on a bar dart team. Mm -hmm. Maybe you love darts. Um, figure out another way that isn't, you know, putting you at risk. Well, to that's, do those that's fine for the dart team, but we're talking about family here. So it's, it's like, it's a, it's a big struggle for a lot of people, yeah. you know, and, and you should you know, you, never ask a family member to be on your dart team. Definitely not. Not. No. Um, um conflict um, of interest and, you know, right. But it, you know, it's, it's, a, People go home for Thanksgiving, right? That's always the, yeah, if you, especially home. if you're younger, right? Because at our age, it's like you come over to my house and go over to your house. It's like you're not traveling that far, especially if you have kids, right? Yeah, and, and the so. night before, you're not going out. I mean, I don't know if, if you did the same thing. Oh, yes. Um, where, 
the night before Thanksgiving, everybody from miles around who you haven't seen in 30 or 40 years sometimes all shows up at the local townie bar. Yes. Um, I haven't done that in a very long time, but I do remember um, those nights, you know, where it was like... Man, we got to get it blow and we would get we call my wife's friend mm-hmm. and he was like Mr. Cocaine like he was he was my first like regular consistent coke dealer mm-hmm. uh, this this guy and uh, and so th- th- we would call him you know load up on a couple of grams and then head out to it was my wife's hometown uh townie bar for a while that I would go to I have a history of running as far as I can from my past, as far as the local people I grew up with and things like that. Um, they're great people and most of them are pretty cool and I would love to have relationships with them and see them more, but, um, it's just not in the cards for me. I just haven't really kept up with them. So I've completely assimilated into my wife's group of friends. Now they're all in recovery. Mm. I'm talking 80% of the people <laughs> I used to party with when I first met my wife right. are like in program in, re- you know, they've most, and the ones that haven't are either dead in jail or, you know, nobody knows what happened to right. me. Like that, the Coke dealer, like nobody knows where that guy is. Yeah. Like, well, uh, I mean, that's, <laughs> You follow the script through to the end, and that's where it, that's where it ends, right? Yeah, ultimately, like nobody ends up like happily, you know, doing heroin. You know what for, I mean? Like, for thirty years. For thirty. Well, years. Well, some people do, like William S. Burroughs and yeah. Jessica. I'm always amazed when that's I hear the rarity. Yeah, when I hear a speaker on, uh, you know, at AA or NA, anything like that, and they say something like, "I smoked crack for thirty years," I'm like, "No, you didn't." No. Like that's well, how how did you smoke crack in such a way that you could just for 30 years, you were like surviving. Complete and, bullshit and utter yeah, bullshit. I, know. I mean, I, I did it for five or six years and I was, I had the body of like a 60 year old man after that. Yeah. Some people, I, I've heard people say, thank God for crack because it got me sober. Like, because <laughs> as soon as I went from, from powder to rock, as soon as, you know, that was down, yeah. downhill. You can't sustain fast. Yeah. Um, meth is another one. Like, Oh man. Well meth meth is there's a trade off because you also have all this extra time to be productive. <laughs> crack the only thing you can do on crack is find more crack. Yeah. That's it. Meth I and I'm not a I never well not you've you've done be, meth. I don't I'm not sure. Um I think you would know. Well, a lot of the I've never a lot done of it. psychedelics that I ingested towards not, the end of the of the up. I think there was a meth involved. And especially some of the sketchy uh, mescaline I used to buy up on Jerome Avenue in the Bronx. Mescaline. That was probably that's speed my, of some sort. That's on my list of never done. Uh, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, who knows if I ever actually did real mescaline. Yeah, like when I was first doing um, like Ritalin, which is like out of the early Adderall or cocaine... What I loved about it is I would do it, and like we were talking about this before, um, I would immediately enter a manic state, mm-hmm. uh, which was positive for me because I, I do suffer for, from some mania where I have ups and downs. I mean, a little bit. I mean, everybody has ups and downs, but when I get manic, I'm like ready to go. And usually that's when I text you in the morning. Right. Um, You're like, good morning. All of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> I, I oh, here we go. Up, I'm like, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I've got all, as soon as I, you know, have my coffee and I'm just like thinking about it. And then I get to like one, two o'clock and 
it's like I just lose it. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it lasts a few days, but, you know. So when I did cocaine or Ritalin, I was like, and I was a musician. I used to write, play, all that stuff. By the way, and I'm going to just jump in here real quick. Yes. Because you people that have been listening to our awesome theme song (laughs) in the beginning, intro and the outro... That wasn't just something we plucked off the internet. That is, that was your band. Yeah, that that's the record. How do you pronounce the name of that band? Um, should I say it? Won't that? Uh, oh, is reveal? that a, is that an issue? Okay. I think it should be. Okay, never so mind. So that music, it was produced. The the guy who we had on as a producer, he he was known for a band called Dinosaur Junior. He did like the live a couple of live records for um, them. Pink Floyd. Really? Uh, he was like a big producer. Was he the John- Delicate Sound of Thunder record for Floyd that was recorded? <laughs> at uh, Nassau Coliseum? Very possible. His name I was, was at that concert. But. John Agnello. Huh. Uh, if you want to look him up, you can see who produced my record. Um, and it was before streaming and internet and, and MP3s were just coming out. So it's not available, but it, it's a really polished, really good sounding record if you like. Uh, well, I was going to say Jellyfish. Nobody knows them. But um, <laughs> like Be- Beatles, um, uh Foo Fighters. You're comparing like, yourself to the Beatles. That's we're a lot like the Beatles good. in that we were amazing. And, okay, but no, um, I'm gonna pl- I'm gonna leave the whole song up as the outro yeah, this week. It, it was always sad to me that it was like I always called it the best record no one's ever heard. Um, so yeah, let's play the whole song yeah. on the outro this time so people can hear it. In I've it. been lengthening the amount. That yeah, I, put I noticed on the outro, it. So. The singer is cool, man. Yeah. Like I used to love that guy's voice. It's a little. I don't know, man. But take a listen and tell me if you guys like it. If you want, I'll I'll make that whole record available for free um, if anyone cares to listen to it. Do it, man. We should do that. We should do that. It's got good guitar work on it. Um, did you play all the guitar parts or did, I did you have not, another guitar player? No, the story with that record is my best friend from childhood, one of them, uh, he was the producer, engineer, and he's a professional like recording engineer. Mm-hmm. So we did. That's why it sounds so great. That was like at a million dollars yeah, studio. It's, it's a it's a really well um, mixed album. For oh sure. man, yeah. And um, and um, what was I going to say? So he he actually gave me my first guitar lessons mm. when I was like twelve, wow. thirteen. We worked at a hot dog stand at a I won't say what national park. Um, and so, and he is so tight and so good. And, um, and it was really hard for me to, to edge in on the records because of course he could play every part better than I could, even the stuff I wrote myself. <laughs> and we were all there for the, the outward, you know, whatever the, the product was at the end of the day. So I had to say to myself on a lot of that stuff, like, you know, do I want to play it and it not sound as good as when my buddy plays right, it, right. you know, so he's doing a lot of that shit, oh, you know, shit, man. you know, he, he's amazing. That's how the sausage gets made folks. Yeah. I don't know if you want to know that, but it, I, I do play on it of course, but I mean, he's so tight and like his shit is so good, man. He's such a good guitarist and oh, so cool. clean. It just drives me nuts. It's probably one of the reasons I think I suck because I was always underneath this guy's thumb, you know, uh, but he taught me so much about guitar and, well, um, I, I happily, you know, just played rhythm and I, I was tight at, um, at concerts and shows and rehearsals and were professional, but you know, he was a real pro. So a lot of that anyway, is my buddy sorry, I, sorry about that little diversion, but, um, uh, I, 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 I didn't think you were getting your due with that with that music because we've never really uh, <laughs> yeah. well we've never really mentioned where it came from before. I, I, I would love to, for someone else besides me to listen to it one of these days. Um, I think it's good. Um, 
so the night before Thanksgiving, partying, partying, yeah. doing blow, and I did, <laughs> yada yada, yada yada, waking yada. up, and, total state of disrepair. Right. So the next day, going to to Thanksgiving, you know, meals was a fucking nightmare, and um, that was when I first started. Uh, you know, hanging out with my wife and her friends were just partying like crazy. They had a party house where like the, the main guy who's now in recovery, like big time, he was kind of like, he had a successful company, I'll say. And, um, and he had a cool house and we were like in our early twenties. So mm. nobody had a house like this. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it wasn't like a mansion or anything, but it was a nice place with like a pool and there was just drugs there and we would go there at like, you know, to, to go out, we go to the local townie bar and head back to the house. And it was all nighter right. leaving around six or seven o'clock, oh, yeah. totally wasted birds chirping. I mean, when I say wasted, not drunk, but it was like zooming on Beaming. whatever we had, like the drinking was incidental. Like, right. sure. I drank a handle of vodka, but, um, it was really the eight ball that I was doing all <laughs> night and whatever else. And yeah. then we would end up at my wife's aunt her house and all the family was there and we'd have to be there by like 10 o'clock to start helping, you know what I mean? And then just sit there and that feeling, that feeling is the, probably the worst feeling besides kicking heroin, Mm. the feeling of you were doing blow all night and you're not allowed to sleep and you don't have any more blow. Yeah. And that is the worst feeling in the world. (laughs) I mean, and how many times have I showed up to work like that or showed up to, you know, and so that's what Thanksgiving became back then for me. I mean, did you spend a lot of, you know, hungover Thanksgiving because of that? Always, always. I mean, I would return to the town where I was from uh, and there was the, the uh, Shamrock pub yeah. there and we would meet everybody and, and do all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I Thanksgiving was always hungover. I don't ever remember it not being a hungover experience. Yeah. Um, I can remember a couple other holidays that I was hosting when I uh, lived in Brooklyn that uh, one in particular where uh, my wife at the time and I were out uh, until seven o'clock in the morning um, at a couple of Coke bars wow. and, um, and we were actually hosting the, the holiday and we were supposed to the night before have been doing all the cooking and arranging and table setting and so forth but we got into a jug of wine and we were like got a case of the fuckets and then just yeah. ended up doing coke all night oh, and uh fell asleep idea. for like two hours oh. to the knock at the door and it was uh it's, it's her parents <laughs> and they Where were showing you? up and s- early to see if we needed any help and you know since we had nothing done and the house was a complete wreck we uh kind of threw together the whole thing in like uh, two hours but i've never but you know since we've been doing coke all night, uh-huh. our noses were completely stuffed. I, you know, I don't know what her parents thought. Oh, you know, this is man. not Aaron, by the way. This is you know, <laughs> yeah. previous life. But uh, wow, um, yeah, that was a that was rough. Yeah, but I, I Afrin. I worked the Af because I, I, I right the nasal spray stuff. Yeah. When, when I did heroin, I was also sniffing that too. I didn't inject, and so everything I did was going up my nose. Mm-hmm. Everything, and so I couldn't breathe. For like 10 years. Um, I got addicted also yeah. to Afrin. Yes, that stuff, when you stop using it, Fuck. it closes right up. That I should the be same illegal, thing. man. I was doing uh, coke. I uh, had to always have an Afrin on me because yeah. it would go two hours of breathing and then no breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
funny story about uh, Afrin, something I never did, but I heard about on a podcast um, that I think it was dopey that um, they would put something in there in an Afrin bottle. They would like mix something with water. Maybe it was the heroin mm. uh, when he was in L.A. And um, I think he, he would like mix the, the tar heroin in like a little thing of water. And then they could just use the Afrin when they were working, you know, and it had heroin or I can't remember if it was heroin or Coke. How crafty. But, but uh, I never thought of that. Yeah. I never thought of that. Uh, the only thing that got me through Thanksgiving, if anything, and, and uh, even if I could, like could get away to go to sleep or take a nap, your heart is still yeah. even six hours after right. I was, you still can't sleep. So drinking, I'm head right for yes. the drinks. And then you put a huge meal on top of that, and the poor heart is getting squeezed uh, in this tiny little corner of your body, and it's protesting so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's awful. I don't miss that. No, not at all. And I can't tell you how many times the night before I would be at that jumping off point where I was, I had been clean for maybe a couple of days uh, or I hadn't had anything. And I'm like, why don't I just go to sleep early? Or why don't I just have a few beers? Mm. How about that? How about tonight (laughs) I drink three beers? Yeah, It's not one, it's not six. What if I just drank three, went to bed, showed up on time tomorrow, you know? And all of that, it didn't take that long though, but I would process all of those thoughts within a millisecond mm-hmm. and then call my guy back. Right. Right. And, um, well, if I had three beers, I'd be off to the, off to score drugs usually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's and not yeah. having the first beer is what prevents me from doing the Coke. Man. So, I mean, was it some inner physical disorder that, you know, makes my body want to kill myself mm. or is that well, mental? That's, the, that's coming down from the Coke. <laughs> coming down from the Coke <laughs> is physical, I, but like that whole thing. Well, you know, all your neurotransmitters are all fucking Everything fucked is up. fried. So, um, so now I look forward to holidays and, um, I love holidays without drugs. Oh, and it's the best. Yeah. It really is. And watching, how do you feel watching people even in your house? Cause we, we, we've started to serve wine for several years. Um, we had a dry cause we always hosted Christmas, but for a while it was dry for me. Like we had mm. no alcohol in the house forever and only in the past like a year, um, you know, we started slowly permitting it back in the house for my wife and guests and things like that. So, I mean, you guys have booze at the house, right? You serve uh, guests? Yeah. I mean, my family is mostly, I don't really have much of a family anymore. My my parents have passed away and never really had a close relationship with the cousins. So it's really Erin's family that we do all our holidays with. Mm. And her family has got... Um, a lot of non-drinkers in it. Uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, so, we have those. On so that is good. Too. But there are a few people who will have a couple drinks. And I don't know. I just have the, we have the wine. We have beer if somebody wants it. Not a big deal. Right. Um, I will tell you, though, that I get very, as a, being sober, get very uncomfortable around people who are drinking a lot. Because yeah, I find way. that, like, unpredictability to be, like, really it's anxiety fear. provoking yes. in me and it I makes me very mean. nervous. I don't, you I see d- that look in there. Yeah. Eye and, and it's and like, you hear it in their voice yes. and they're starting to tip. Exactly. They're passing that point. There's a family member, my family who shall remain nameless, who it's the same thing. You're just waiting for that turn mm-hmm. and that glaze goes over the eyes and then they say something like, can you believe this election? And yeah. then that's <laughs> it. 
or you know, <laughs> or it's it's some, or they just get like nasty. You know, I mean, I'm not thinking so much now. And Aaron's family, most of them are, all of them really are lovely people, and none of them are really alcohol have an alcohol problem. But yeah. going back a few years when my parents were alive, my mother was not the nicest drinker, right. and so I think a lot of the feelings I have watching people drink now, and and that level of anxiety that it produces in me is related to having an unpredictable mother who would drink a lot and then kind of, you know, I never knew what I was going to get with her. And that was always an issue. So anyway, um, yeah, I Uh, just, I, I would prefer that people not drink around me, but I'm also realistic enough to know that that's not going to happen. Right. right. And, um, and getting to a point where you're not taking other people's inventory and when you do, I mean, it's okay. Like it's funny in, in, in the rooms, they say, no, don't judge anyone. And then the very yeah. next thing they say is stick with the winners. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, don't you have to do some judging to stick with the winners? Right. <laughs> right. You um, do. You do. Yeah. You do. So we have to do some judging. But uh, AA and NA is great at holidays. They always have. Um, and, and, you know, search the Internet. If, if you're if you come up on Thanksgiving, there's going to be a ton like in the rooms dot com has millions uh that's an exaggeration is that of a thing in the rooms in the rooms.com they're not paying us to you know promote them it's actually just a great site um and it's easy to get an aana meeting uh through zoom and stuff like that so go for the recovery yeah, stay for the coffee stay for the coffee um but looking forward to we're running long but yeah. i kind of don't mind but i don't either but i don't know why if we don't need to we go through all this stuff no i did an extremely extensive uh outline today and so did mike so together it's a really this is probably be two shows actually yeah so why don't we do you want to get to recovery in the news are we up to that yeah recovery Special Thanksgiving edition of Recovery in the News. So, so a bit of a sad story this week for for the holiday. Yes, give us a sad story. Um, you know, I have uh, one of those Google uh, News alerts set up for the term addiction, and one for twelve step, and one for recovery. Although the recovery one is giving me lots of stories on the Treasury yeah. Department and unemployment, <laughs> which are not relevant. But, no. um, so, what's um, the headline? The headline is, is um, I have it, uh, Addiction Matters, How a Heroin User Turned Hero Saved So Many Others But Not Himself. Thanks. That's a great headline. Written by someone that I didn't write on the outline. Anyway, so this, this apparently there was this fellow down in New Orleans who um, was known as Slow Boogie amongst his friends. He was a heroin addict. William Poole Jr. William Poole Jr. He got into all kinds of kinds of troubles, did some stretches in, in prison, um, was homeless for a while, uh, multiple near-death overdoses. But uh, also he had a, a, a heart of gold, apparently, um, yeah. and he liked to share his addiction uh, experience. And I, I like how the, the paper says, sometimes relentlessly, with anyone he thought he could help. So he counseled other addicts. He reached countless people across the country through, through social media. Uh, he had an internet radio show called Addiction Matters, which, yeah. I don't know. I've never listened to it. An internet radio show is, would also be known as a podcast. Is an internet radio show the same thing as a podcast? I don't, I don't know, but... Mm. Anyway, so he had a lot of guests on there, including New Orleans Police Chief Michael Harrison, U.S. Wow. attorneys. Uh, I think he had the, the judge who sentenced him was on there wow. at some point. And so he was seemed like he was really um, 
He nailed it. He's yeah, cured. he He's was cured. getting his 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 ducks in a row, and he was you know fighting the good fight, and then. Um, Unfortunately, in September, he uh, they found him in a van next to a New Orleans convenience store with an empty daiquiri bottle and an empty syringe on the floorboard. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. really sad. Another one goes, um, and you know, in in recovery, titans will fall. Yeah, um, it's one of those things uh, you see it all the time. Or maybe not all the time, but especially during COVID, p- people who were on their game. People who were like doing it, they were going to meetings, they were participating, you know, even on the lowest level making coffee. This guy took that to the next level, took his 12th step helping others, spreading the message. And it sounds to me, I didn't know of him while he lived, but uh, I hear nothing but uh, good things about the work that he did and how selfless he was and the people that he helped. And when you see something like this, it really makes you analyze, look at yourself. Yeah. And, and um, you know, where am I on that trajectory? Am I on that trajectory? I think his his passing, you know, was was also a lesson to people, you know. Um, yeah. He helped a lot of people, and, and the fact that he ended up succumbing to his addiction doesn't render all that stuff that he did as somehow less. No. I mean, if anything, you know. it's just, it's sad and it it makes you it's a reminder to be vigilant yeah you know? don't get and I, and I am guilty of getting too casual with my recovery um and the good news is i haven't relapsed <laughs> this time and um just staying on top of it and there's a lot i could do differently yeah um i i really want to get go to more meetings i want to I, I do want to go. I know you're not a, an AA guy, but I, I got a lot out of AA, mm-hmm. uh, even if I don't agree with 100% of what's going on there in all the rooms. Um, I got something out of it, and I really have to look at doing more of that. You know, and the bigger they are, the harder they fall, is this saying. And it's always more tragic when someone like this dies to addiction. But, like, what else is an addict supposed to do? Um, this is, you know... We, we agree that there's no cure on it. And um, so what happened? I don't know if we will never know yeah. what was going on. Nope. But it's important is to never feel like you're out of reach of the drug. Like, you know, you shouldn't live in a constant state of anxiety. Yeah, but don't get complacent either, you yeah. know? You know, and being in the addiction field um, is something that I've struggled with. Like, the, the uh, you know, or even going to meetings, you know, for a while I was like, I don't want anything to do with these people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about addiction. Obviously, now I do that every week. <laughs> but well. I don't want to meet other addicts. I don't want you know another chance to go out. You know, we've talked about this before. Yeah. That you know, just having your life filled with people who that's that's not what's going on. It it's not normal. And again, no, very and sometimes sad. you get the sense that the people around you who have those issues are just on their own hair trigger, and and it's a it's a volatile mix. For, it is, you know, because all, it, you know, somebody might be struggling and talking to another addict is a, is a great way to, to help each other. But if they're struggling too, I mean, you could tip each other off oh, the yeah. edge and then three days later you're in a motel room in, in, you know, in sure. Hicksville. That, that happened to me almost yeah. exactly. There was a guy at one of my outpatient therapy places that I was, you know, court mandated to. 
And uh, it was a year and a half or so into my probation and everything. But I could see this guy a mile away. He was clearly cracked out. And he, you could tell he wasn't, you know, one of the, the, the people who were doing what they were supposed to. And, of course, I targeted, right. made friends, and then delicately, you know, began to like, oh, where did you get your crack? Yeah, you right, wanna, And right. that set me off. Uh, on a on a nightmare with that particular dealer, mm-hmm. who um, I occasionally still get texts from. Ooh. What's up, bro? Um, I just don't respond. Good. Um, Why don't you block him? He, I have blocked him. Um, last time I blocked him, he showed up at the store. Ooh. So I'm always sort of like, wow. Hey man, that's some aggressive marketing. Still not doing that. <laughs> Shit. Um, I changed my number at one point. And that worked for a while until he showed up at the store and, you know, scared me into giving him my new number, really? basically. Yeah. I was shitting myself. I didn't own money or anything, but I, I couldn't just say, no, get that fuck out of my shop. It's like, oh, yeah, it's here it is. And so occasionally. You call cops on. Um, you know, I'm not going to. Yeah. I don't know. But so. Anyway. <laughs> point is. It's, you know, anything can happen and always be vigilant. And I'm trying harder. And, um, but Mike is not trying harder. No, He's just trying to, not at all, trying to get high every day. Every day. But, um, so sad story, recovery in the news. Yeah. Recovery. <laughs> in the news. This, this brings us to week. In weird. What? I'm firing the sound what? guy. There you go. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Shadow Creature filmed in Maine. The eerie video was posted on Wednesday afternoon by the Facebook group 207 Paranormal, which specializes in reporting accounts of high strangeness in Maine. That's oddly specific. (laughs) According to them, the footage was captured in the town of Falmouth, quote, a few days ago. And that the anomaly was only noticed by the driver when he later revisited the video from their drive in the hopes of seeing a deer that had been spotted earlier in the trip. In the video, as the car travels down a dark road, illuminated by only the headlights of the vehicle and Toto's classic tune, Love Isn't Always On Time... Plays on the radio. A dark oddity that appears to be some kind of creature suddenly and quickly zips from one side of the road to the other (laughs) and disappears into the darkness. The strange incident lasts only a few seconds, so it's understandable how the driver may have missed the sighting when it unfolded before their very eyes. Get a link to that story in the video in the show notes. Yes. Shadow creatures. uh, Shadow creatures. That's interesting. I actually did not see this before we sat down to record. Um, So... I had a, a a dead show once. My friends came to my house, put me in a car, fed me peyote, and drove me down to uh, <laughs> I hate it when that Hampton, happens. Virginia. It was actually some crazy, crazy dead shows. Anyway, so we, we drove down, uh, stayed up for the show, took a lot of acid, and then decided that we should drive home <laughs> after not sleeping for however long that was, a day. Um, so we kind of got to, we put our heads together and we were like, who, who's okay to drive? And I was like, eh, fuck it, I'll drive. Yeah. So <laughs> toss me the keys, I drive. The whole way up I-95, every once in a while, I'd see this black shape dart across the road in front really? of me. And I could swerve a little bit, a little bit swerve the other way. Yes. And uh, so I get it. There are shadow creatures out there. And I think they were just 
piercing through the veil because I was on LSD and uh-huh. jumping in front of the car. I'm telling you, man. I did not drive a car. That I, postscript to that weird story is uh-huh. as we, I came back over the George Washington Bridge, mm-hmm. an earthquake happened. Ooh, it could yeah. have been like a harbinger, like yeah. the Mothman. I don't know what it was, but it was really weird for the bridge to start shaking a little bit. I thought it was all in my head. It probably might have been. It wasn't. It wasn't. It, it was, was an, an earthquake. actual earthquake, yeah. Shadow really people? Weird shit. So shadow people yeah. are real, man. I've seen them. And lots of you out there who have been up for days on coke <laughs> or meth. You or know about the shadow people. The, you've seen these things <laughs> in the, the corner of your eye and... You know, are they real or is it just a figment of your imagination? Yeah, I don't know. We just don't know. They're in there somewhere in your head. This week in Weird. All right. Well, we've had a great show. When this is over, we go do a little coke. Yes. (laughs) Dr. Phil, please, 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 please. Not on the air, please, Dr. Phil. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Twit us a twat, you twit. You tweet. Instagram, Apple Podcast, or wherever great podcast. Who is keeping up all of these social media accounts? Because it sure as fuck isn't me. Well, right here. I'm doing it. Well, you and, doing Insta. And, it, um, I, well, I do it with Facebook. And oh. Well, I do Facebook. The lovely and talented, talented, I said talented. She's the talented. lovely and talented Aaron Moore is our twatter twit. As it were. Hey, geez, did you clear that description with her? Yeah, no, I did not. And I'm sure I'm going to hear about it. Right. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com. Submit your story for our news segment. We're really excited about that. And also, we're looking for writers um, to write your story on top of that. You know, maybe do articles or put a blog on our website. It would be really cool to get some of you guys writing and putting it out there. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Uh, Yeah, progress, not perfection. All right, see you next week, guys. Be good this Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.